This episode of Pueblo's podcast is presented by Montgomery and Stewart Funeral Directors. Montgomery and Stewart Funeral Directors are proud to be independent, just like you. They're owned and operated by lifetime Puebloans, not by any of the giant funeral home chains. This means they only answer to the families they serve, not to outside stockholders. Your independence allows you to select which funeral home you will call at the time of need or when considering a pre-need plan. That same independence allows you to choose a local funeral home where you know your wishes will be followed to the letter. Since 1922, they've worked hard to make a positive difference in the Pueblo community by providing service and care for families of all faiths and ethnic origins. Please call them today. They never use high-pressure sales tactics and will be happy to answer your questions and discuss your options at your convenience at their funeral home or in the privacy of your home. Call Montgomery and Stewart Funeral Directors today. 719-542-1552. Montgomery and Stewart Funeral Directors in downtown Pueblo. I'm Dave Moore, and this is Pueblo's Podcast. My guest today is Fire Captain and Safety Officer and Pueblo Information Officer for the Pueblo Fire Department, Woody Percival. Woody, thanks for, for being here today. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here. All right. Now, this uh, this fire season has seen some unprecedented fires in Colorado and in northern New Mexico. Um, is there a type of weather system or a situation that is causing this, or is it just the fact we're just haven't had enough rain and snow over the last few years. Yeah, we're definitely in an unprecedented, at least in our lifetimes, a drought for this area of our state. Um, I do believe, I've, I've, from my understanding, it does have to do with some of the patterns in the Pacific Ocean that are causing it. It's either El Nino or La Nina. I don't recall which one, but it's part of a longstanding uh, southwestern United States drought pattern that we're stuck in and uh, don't hear that it's going to be changing likely anytime real soon. Oh, boy. And, you know, we, we did receive, in southern Colorado anyway, we received a nice heavy snowfall in late May, and then we've had some rain. Does that do anything for the overall uh, situation, or is it just a very small Band-Aid? Well, I, I can tell you that we welcome this weather with open arms, even if it's just a few days of, of cooler temps and higher humidities, the moisture is extremely helpful. But overall, I, I believe for us to get back to a normal uh, type of fire weather pattern, it would take a significant amount of moisture. What, what we worry about is that people get a little complacent when they see this type of weather and think, hey, everything's fine now. And reality is our our overall weather pattern moisture situation is what's uh, in, in the long term is what we're concerned about. Okay. And what would you say are the top causes for one of these fires that start and then just burn out of control? Well, there can be a, a myriad of causes for, for fires outdoors. Uh, again, things maybe folks don't think about, like simply driving down the interstate and uh, pulling a trailer and your safety chain is dragging on the ground. Uh, we get a lot of fires along the interstate, especially north and south of town, wow. that that is the believed cause. Um, flat tires, 
if a person's traveling down the highway and get a flat tire and they end up going down under the rim before they get to stop, that can create a lot of sparks with steel rims. Errant cigarettes are uh, probably up on the upper end of causes for fires like that outdoors. Um, and then just your typical uh, carelessness with fire. If, if I can say this uh in the most sensitive way I can, we, we do have a high population of people that live in our uh, river bottom riparian areas with lots of uh, extremely dry fuels and things around them. And, and that's really been something we've seen in, in this past year as well. Sure. There's fires in our river bottoms and, and when the weather conditions contribute to it with winds and things like that. Uh, fires that are used to keep warm or cook food get out of control. And the conditions that we have in southern Colorado at this point uh, actually kind of mirror uh, the conditions that contributed to the Marshall Fire in Boulder and uh, Waldo Canyon Fire in Colorado Springs. A lot of people don't think that we have the ability to repeat those types of uh, disasters here, but we certainly do. That was going to be my question. You know, people who live in Pueblo and a residential neighborhood, they think, oh, that will never happen to us. But if all it takes is one situation that gets out of control and it can jump from home to home, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. Um, so, so take for example, our, our outlying areas of, of the city on the edges of uh, El Camino, for, for example, we have white open prairie, whole lot of, uh, dry sagebrush and, and prairie grasses and things like that. So if a fire were to start out there accidentally or anything at all, combine that with low humidity and, and the right winds, that could be rolling towards uh, full-blown housing developments on the edges of our town, just like happened in the Marshall Fire, and we could have um, a disaster on our hands really quick. Sure. Uh, we had... 70, 80 mile an hour winds here in Pueblo just about a week ago. That's exactly what was going on in the Marshall Fire. Wow. So what can a, what can a person do who's in a area like that? How can they kind of mitigate their property and make it less likely to be part of a disaster like that? Well, um, some of the most obvious are, are probably what a person would think of offhand is to manage your space around your home, create a defensible space, 30 to 50 feet around it that doesn't include flammable debris, especially any accumulations of it, such as tumbleweeds, um, trash, piles of wood, things like that, even wooden fences and things that we might think are protecting us from, from the prairie can contribute very, very quickly to the spread of a fire. We also um, like to bring up points about like the FireWise program that are that's used up in the mountain areas a lot. It, it applies here too to uh, not have certain types of vegetation right next to your home. We we have a a phrase for certain types of of the juniper bushes and trees, uh, ground cover bushes, and then uh, mid level bushes and trees right next to homes. We actually call those gasoline bushes because they are extremely susceptible to going up in flames quickly and, and if that happens especially you know a ladder fuel meaning it starts in low things and moves up to higher um, higher heights 
and that can lead right up to the easier house and the inside and attic area very quickly, oftentimes before we can even respond to a fire. Uh, those those types of trees contribute to extreme fire spread. So some other things you can think about for safety reasons, and, and this goes back to what I was explaining about wind speeds. Um, we can get what's called flying brands. That's a, a term they use in wildland firefighting. So the fires coming across the prairie or maybe coming out of the river bottom area in heavy winds, high winds, and it can actually pick up burning debris and carry it a quarter mile, a half a mile ahead of it, ahead of the actual fire. And then wherever it lands, such as a roof, um, gutters on your house, anywhere like that, that might have accumulated leaves, pine needles, valleys on houses tend to collect those very things as well. So if a flying brand uh, sparks are coming from a fire a quarter mile away, you may not even be thinking you're in danger, and suddenly you could be the next uh, casualty of one of those types of wildfires. Sure. It, that's amazing to think that um, a spark or a, an ember could travel that far and then cause cause continued damage. Yeah, that is, a, that is precisely what happened in the Waldo Canyon fire, uh, the Black Forest fires in Colorado Springs. You know, Black Forest, the homes are far apart and look how many we lost in that area uh, for the same reason those high winds just changed the dynamic of the entire firefight it doesn't seem like because we were talking about el nina i think it is um earlier there doesn't seem to be like any real change coming soon in the future we're going to stay in this wild fire potential uh, very dry situation for some time yeah david it is really we're in unprecedented times in that respect. I've, I've been a city firefighter now. I'm in my 29th year. And I can tell you just in that short span of history how much it's affected the way we do everything because we used to have what we called wildland season. We planned our training every year early enough in the year to get everybody hands-on and uh, some classroom and hands-on work to prepare for it. And we, we could do that often and in January or February, kind of our slower months for outdoor-type training, will we get ready for wildland? Today, wildland fire season is, is 12 months a year. We we assume that any month of the year that we could have those types of catastrophic fires. So we're it's a whole mindset change in the fire industry. I, I wish I could say we didn't have to uh, plan that way or that we had some change coming for it, but it just doesn't seem like other than you know, what we're experiencing now with a little bit of rain and it gets better for a few days, that's the best we get. Anymore. Sure. And when when folks see a red flag warning, you know, you see the weather maps on television or hear about it on your phones, what, what does that mean for the average person? So red flag warnings are actually issued by the National Weather Service. Uh, we have, you know, our own office in Pueblo for this entire part of the state space right out of, out of Pueblo here by the airport. Mm-hmm. What they do is they watch conglomeration of weather conditions that could contribute to fire growth. And so when we reach the level of, it's it's usually a combination of temperatures, wind speeds, and relative humidity being very, very low. And if they can, they're getting very good at predicting which days are going to be the worst with those, but those are when they'll issue what they call a red flag warning. 
So even though that's not tied directly to the fire service, we often refer to that as the days that that we want people to be the most careful for those very reasons is because a even an accidental fire, somebody welding in their backyard or, or whatever, could uh, on those types of weather condition days could could start something that becomes major. So it's a way for us to uh, use you know television stations, radio stations. Uh, everybody kind of covers that really well when those those warnings get issued. So it's a very good way to get the message out. Those are kind of unrelated to what we do when we do uh, fire restrictions. We were recently under stage one fire restrictions in Pueblo County and Pueblo City. And that is more of a long term. It's based off of some of the same principles, but it's it's looking over a bit longer term. So it makes it safer for us in messaging to tell everybody we're just not going to allow certain types of fires at all for a bit until conditions improve. So that's the difference between a restriction and a red flag warning. Okay. And what, what types of fires would be restricted during a, a fire restriction period? Well, in general, um, the city of Pueblo is independent from the county, but all the county chiefs try to work together to stay on the same page for everybody's sake. So you can understand we have plains, we have municipal urban area, and we've also got some mountain communities that are all in the county. So there's a lot of voices that get involved there, but if, if they all get together and agree to stage one fire restrictions, in general, that's the lowest stage of restriction. But like for the citizens of Pueblo City, there's not a whole lot of burning that's allowed in the city anyway on a normal day. Right. But when we go into stage one, it does restrict like your recreational fire that you have in your yard where you sort of have a campfire for marshmallows or, you know, invite your friends over. Um, there's restrictions on when and where those can be had as well. But under stage one restrictions, we shut that down. Stage two for the county uh, and city ups it a little bit for smoking regulations as far as people smoking outdoors and things. And then there's a stage three, which is an all-out fire ban that includes even outdoor welding, except in some commercial um, situations and so there's there's different levels of restrictions um, the best way to find out what those are is to check this the county uh, website or they have a burn line phone number to call for county residents are there fire restrictions that limit the use of uh, charcoal grills outside yeah in a state three fire restriction even outdoor charcoal grills are not allowed to be used i believe throughout those restrictions uh Gas grills are allowed, but not charcoal grills. Okay. We have a lot of folks who have, who either live um, in the mountain areas, in the Rye Beulah area, Colorado City, and uh, some folks have cabins. Uh, what's the best thing that they can do to, to protect a cabin that might be in, in the woods or in the forest? That's where I would actually refer people to uh, Google the word firewise as one word, F-I-R-E-W-I-S-E. And there's a uh, very simple description with graphics and everything else that tells people what to do for those types of homes that are in the wildland interface with uh, with homes and things like that. So that would include the, the protective 
zones around your house and making sure pine needles and things like that aren't accumulating around those homes. Obviously, you get into those situations with high winds and everything else. That's why we have such dramatically uh, destructive fires in the in the mountains anymore. Right. You have a, a cabin um, up in the mountains, and the fire, was it last year, got fairly close? Yeah, about three years ago, the spring fire over in the San Luis Valley and came over the mountains toward La Vida. Um, I was part of the evacuations in that area, and day I left, uh, it was it was within a, about a mile of our cabin. So I can I can express the concern from a, a real viewpoint there. <laughs> wow, that that's too close, right? Very, very, very close. Weather weather worked with us that night and probably saved the entire village of Kachara. Oh wow. There, the homes are a little closer together, and we could have had a black forest or martial fire situation with that. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, on the western side of that very fire is, was uh, a development where they lost dozens and dozens of homes there, too. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm talking with the fire captain, safety officer, and public information officer, Woody Percival, from the Pueblo Fire Department. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about, Woody, that you'd like to mention about fire prevention? And maybe we should touch a little bit on folks, not necessarily wildfire fires, but um, home fires that could destroy a house or kill or injure people. Sure. Um, that You bring up a very good point there. Um, during fire weather that's extreme, uh, the, the relative humidity, the winds and things, even structural firefighting, on a house-by-house basis, changes pretty dramatically. Um, it makes it, fires grow quicker, they, they burn hotter and faster, and it reduces our ability to get a, a hold on the fire before it, it causes more damage. So I would say, in general, during these kind of conditions, we actually have a higher fire loss average than we would normally, just for the same reasons that we talked about, about wild land. Hmm. Um, Another, another aspect to it that, that we all get to deal with every year is the celebration of our nation's birthday um, on July 4th and the use of fireworks. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> for years now, everybody's kind of aware. For years, we've had to grapple with whether or not to allow fireworks at all because of these very conditions. And we always hope that we're going to be able to. That's our, our goal is to have it'd be safe enough for people to do that. But certainly would like to remind people that uh, if they're using legal fireworks during, during those times to always keep uh, a way to extinguish a fire around a, a charged hose line ready for use, you know, with a nozzle on it, buckets of water to, to put items, uh, throw items into with a, a shovel or a rake after they're burned. So they uh, tip over or roll away from you and get away from you, things like that. Uh, fire safety, that's one of our busier days for injuries due to uh, burns and things because of fireworks. So it kind of gives us a lot of things to think about that day. Sure. And I know growing up as a kid, when uh, whenever somebody was shooting off fireworks and they said, hey, watch this, it was going to be something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Make a movie of it. Huh? Right. Oh, boy, that's for sure. 
Well, do you have any uh, final uh, thoughts or tips about uh, fire prevention and wild wildfires? It uh, doesn't look like we're going to get out of this for a while, so I guess everyone has to be very careful and safe and keep those butts in the ashtray, right? Yeah, very much. Very, very, very true. Um, the last thing we like to, to talk about, uh, we're not a law enforcement agency, but we work hand-in-hand hand with the police department. And uh, people do need to understand that there can be some pretty severe consequences for for not following rules. And if, if it causes property damage, uh, there's different levels of arson charges that can be brought against people. So yeah. just another reason to be ultimately safe and, and keep your neighbors and friends in mind when you're when you're making your choices. Sure. Well, I appreciate your time, Woody. And I have a couple of uh, lighthearted uh uh, personal questions here for you. Okay. All right. Uh, dog or cat? Oh, absolutely dog. Okay. Uh, what was your first concert that you went to? <laughs> uh, wow, that's great. I'm old enough that uh, concerts at the state fairgrounds were all free, and I used to try to go to every one I could go to. My grandparents' <laughs> house was was right by the main gate. I'm going to actually say probably Charlie Pride. Oh, nice. Okay. How about your best concert? Ooh, best concert would be uh, Dave Matthews Band at Red Rocks. Okay. Very good. And finally, what comes on your favorite pizza? <laughs> I'm a protein guy, so any kind of meats, but it always has to have some Pueblo chilies on it, too. There you go. All right. Well, very good. I've been talking with uh, Fire Captain, Safety Officer, and Pueblo Information Officer Woody Percival from the Pueblo Fire Department. Woody, I appreciate your time, and thanks for the information, and we just hope that everyone is, is safe with uh, fireworks and safe with the outdoor fires this summer. Absolutely. Glad to talk with you, and stay safe, sir. All right. That's Pueblo's podcast. I'm Dave Moore. Be proud, Pueblo.